All right, all right, all right, all right. One, two, and... Regular kids! What? Stuff. Get your popcorn ready. Welcome to Regular Dudes Watch Stuff. I'm your host, Jamie G. Esquire, the fifth, the new Duke of New York. And I'm here with Magna Mills and the soup deucer. We're going to discuss what we've watched. And what we've watched recently is John Carpenter's 1981 cult classic, Escape from New York. Guys, I'm not drinking anything tonight because I tied one on, had a pretty big weekend. So I, uh, you know, I think I'll probably just work my way into some celery juice and some other detox, liver enhancing supplements. Mills? That all sounds very awful. Why don't you just get yourself some water, some coffee, or something like that? I think that would be right in line. Or Coors Light, it's basically water. Got a little bit of sugar in there, a little bit of alcohol, a little bit of kick. It's not quite, you know, uh, like back when they put like cocaine and Coca-Cola, but we'll have to do. And like the man said, I am Maggie Mills. Thank you for checking out Regular Dudes Watch Stuff. Find us wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, all the good ones. We're there. We're on the social media at Dudes Watch Stuff. And you can search for us on YouTube or find our YouTube channel at JoeBlowFootballShow.com. If you could just please take 10 seconds to like, rate, comment, follow, subscribe. You don't have to do it all. Just do one. Takes you less than 10 seconds. And it helps us out a lot because it helps people find our show. Uh, Sue, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing well, man. I am doing well, dude. Had a nice relaxing day. It's a, it's one of those rainy, shitty days where you just want to stay inside all day. Fortunately, I was able to do that. So now I'm unwinding here with a little bit of Merlot, man. A little vino. Once again, I am the soup. I am drinking the wine. And welcome. Remember to hit that thumb up button. Before, uh, guys, before we get dropped on the island of Manhattan here, let's discuss what else we've recently filled our eye holes with. Uh, since we did our last episode. Mills, what have you watched recently and, uh, you know, something that you'd like to discuss or recommend? And again, no spoilers. You and your pesky spoilers, man. It's like Scooby-Doo being them, like, you know, them kids and that dog or what have you. Uh, yeah, I've definitely been uh, filling up my eye holes with some stuff. Of course, there will be no spoilers. I have been continuing to watch uh, stuff I've already talked about, Party Down. Wu-Tang and American Saga and The Last of Us. All of those are still very good. I watched my Temple Owls lose by 30 points to Cincinnati. Uh, that was that was not very good. But uh, as far as like something kind of I would maybe recommend to check out or something new that I've watched, it's actually the uh, the Perry Mason joint from HBO. I was originally just looking for like, all right, let me, I just wanted something like, give me like an hour long thing I can watch or whatever, just a one-off. Love Matthew Reese and the Americans. Thought he was great. He's been great and everything. So I'm like, all right, I'll fuck with like Perry Mason. It'll be like a joint at the end of the hour. You figure out who did it or whatever, right? Because I remember Perry Mason, like I know the name, but I figured it was, you know, Matlock or whatever. It's definitely not like Matlock at all. And the whole first season was supposed to be like a limited series. Like it's eight episodes, like about an hour long each. And instead of like a case of the week, it takes like the whole season to figure out the case. It, totally worth it and everything, but just not what I thought I was getting into. And it's like an origin story for Perry Mason set in like the 1930s. So it's a period piece. You know, Matthew Reese is you know, dropping fucks and drinking and banging and all that stuff. It's definitely not Matlock. Uh, really enjoyed it. It was one of those joints supposed to be a, again a limited series. They actually brought it back for a second season. Second season just premiered. It had been two or three years since the first season, so I think I got in at the right time. It's a good one, man. It's you know, it, especially again if you enjoyed the Americans, you enjoyed Matthew Reese on the Americans. Uh, very, very good. Uh, Jamie G, what have you been checking out, man? Dude, I love Matthew Reese. Americans was oh man, makes me want to do a pod just about how great the Americans is would love to rewatch that maybe we will one day but for me i recently checked out the you know I, i'm a big fan of the witcher I, I really enjoyed the series and i recently checked out the witcher blood origin so this was pretty cool man it's they they only released like the first like half of the season or whatever so you know you kind of get left on a little bit of a tease here i think there's only four episodes um something like that but but it was really good it kind of takes place it's almost like the, not really the prequel to the witcher but it takes place like before you know the events of of what we know in the witcher and it's really kind of the origin of how the witcher came to be 
which is pretty cool, like how Witchers came to be in general. So I enjoyed it a lot, man. Definitely think it's worth checking out. I'm excited to see, you know, them continue kind of within that universe and continue to put more stuff out. And obviously we're all looking forward to the new season of uh, of The Witcher, but definitely recommend that. It's a, it's a fun watch. It's out there on Netflix. And uh, yeah, check, check her out. I feel like The Witcher stuff. Like just a regular live action joint or is it animated? It's a, it's a regular live action. Regular joint. live action yeah. joint. And so is it like, so it's the origin story for like the Witchers, not like the Geralta Rivera or whatever, like. Well, it, definitely, definitely for, definitely for him, but it's also like how. So someone is playing like a different version of him or whatever. No, he's not in it, but it's, okay. but it's, but it's how he, how he comes to be, but also more importantly, how Witchers themselves come to be. Like it's all, it's all like centered around him, but, but not really. Okay, I've seen the first two seasons, but I've never like really played the games or read uh, the graphic novel or anything, so I don't really have any background in the. Uh, Henry Cavill's only coming back for the one more season, right? Right, right. So, so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, yeah, he was so good. I mean, everyone in it's really good. You know, that's a little bit. I don't usually go for the high fantasy stuff. I definitely enjoyed it though, but it's disappointing because he was just you know very good, and you could tell he really enjoyed playing that part. Yeah, he's awesome in the role, and 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 obviously you don't have him in this blood origin story. You do have some characters from, uh, or at least one character from, you know, the Witcher that we know. But it basically just gives you an understanding of like how, you know, how Witchers in general came to be. Um, so pretty cool, man. I definitely enjoyed it. Definitely recommend checking it out. Rock and roll. How about you, Soup? You've been filling any holes lately? Man, you know, once again, I had a pretty hectic week due to my complicated and uh, jammed up schedule. So I have not had a whole lot of TV time, but I was filling my eye holes with a little bit of like get home late and turn on something that I can like, you know, usually fall asleep and end up watching a little bit of without getting too involved. This week, it was some random old school Beavis and Buttheads, man. Haven't gotten to the new ones yet. I know they're happening, but I wanted to go back and, and check out some and, uh, it takes me back in time. They're good, man. I mean, whatever. It's always a fun one to throw on there. So yeah, a little Beavis and Butthead. And and most recently, I, w- I was watching what looked like Jamie G down there shaving his uh, fingers with some kind of a pocket knife that looked like a pretty solid blade, man. But I will tell you this. It makes me nervous because I'm usually the one around here with the sharp objects and shit. So what the fuck, man? <laughs> Are you using your toe knife on your fingers? Can you do that? I didn't know that was allowed. I thought it was just for your toes. The finger knife, um, and not a not a toe knife. I I just have it out. I I dig on things and, and fidget with things. And uh, well, you know, I mean, some, yeah, you can't finger bang with a finger balls. knife. <laughs> I mean, you'll do it right right out of this life and not not really into it. So uh, yeah, shout out Beavis and Butthead. Uh, Comedy Central's been replaying some of the older episodes, and uh, I caught a little bit of one of the new ones. Seemed pretty kill. Definitely really enjoyed the movie that just came out like last summer. Yeah. I thought that was uh that's a really good. So. I would like to check that out. And uh, this was always kind of controversial. So what did you prefer? The old Beavis and Butthead cartoons, the actual animated stuff, or them just doing commentary on the videos? You know, I like I like both, man. I think it's part of it. Um I, I it's hard to pick uh it's hard to pick which one I like better, you know. I don't know if I'd want an entire episode of just the uh, just the commentary of the videos where I would take an entire episode of the the, you know, not live action, but the actual animated action or whatever the fuck. So, yeah, I'd rather have an episode with storylines and shit. Yeah, I feel they did this, I think, like, about 10 years ago, right? They came back and did a season, I remember. And it was more like, I feel like in the old ones, it was like 50-50 music videos and animation. And I feel like in the newer ones, it's probably more like 75% of the animated story than music videos. I'm assuming the new ones sell music videos, but I couldn't tell you for sure. Uh, I'll let you know after I watch them, man. Maybe I'll maybe the one I see. I didn't catch a music video, but I only caught like a little bit in between commercials or whatever when I was doing something else. I thought it was one of the older ones until I was like, oh shit, this must be one of the newer ones. I wouldn't be surprised if they're watching like random TikToks and shit like that. But yeah, that would be cool. Like, I'd like to see them, like, well, yeah, watch uh, viral videos and shit. That actually be really cool. I'd be excited for that. Well, guys, that brings us to our featured review for this episode. And if you remember, last time I pitched Escape from New York and The Wheel of Chance agreed with me, baby. It was meant to be. The universe itself wanted us to rewatch and talk about this cult classic. I wanted to, you know, do this one because growing up, I was always a big fan of Escape from L.A. And I this is going to be crazy, but I only ever saw bits and pieces of Escape from New York. So I love the concept. I really wanted to redo this one, uh, rewatch it. And, you know, it, it, it didn't necessarily, um, you know, let me down or anything, but it was cool to kind of get that 
and then it gave me a better appreciation for just kind of the series here between, you know, Escape from New York, Escape from L.A. And it left me wanting a new Escape from something. Right. And, and I would love a redo of this one. Mills, I guess, set the table here, buddy, by giving us some of the details and background for 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 what we're about to do here. Escape from New York. I can definitely do that. I do want to point out that I feel like your other pitch so far has been uh, uh, Big Trouble in Little China. So I guess you're really just kind of on the uh, the John Carpenter, Kurt Russell thing. Are you going to pitch the thing later on? Is that going to, am I? Am I no spoilers, buddy. I don't know. No spoilers. All right, all right, no spoilers. No, actually, well, we are going to spoil Escape from New York. So you're going to have to deal with that. But we'll warn you again in a minute. As far as the flick we're checking out this week, it is Escape from New York, directed by John Carpenter. Written by John Carpenter and Nick Castle, produced by Larry Franco and Deborah Hill, starring Kurt Russell, Lee Van Cleef, Ernest Borgnine, Donald Pleasance, Isaac Hayes, Harry Dean Stanton, and Adrian Barbeau. Cinematographer was Dean Cundy, edited by Tom Ramsey, music by John Carpenter and Alan Hallworth. Released July 10th, 1981, had a budget of $6 million, made $25.2 million at the box office, so over a 4Xer there. Runs 99 minutes, and the short plot synopsis is, in 1997, the, the future 1997, when the U.S. president crashes into Manhattan, which is now a giant maximum security prison, a convicted bank robber and former special forces agent is sent in to rescue him. Yeah, as, as Mills said, this is definitely going to be a full spoiler discussion of Escape from New York, and it is 100% possible and probably likely, knowing us, that Escape from L.A. could come up as well. So just go ahead and assume that we're going to be spoiling that one while we're talking about Escape from New York. And shit, fellas, this, this film is over 40 years old, so if you haven't watched it yet, well, that's on you, because you've had 40 years to watch this thing. So, you know, you can... You, you, Get off my lawn, man. Are you call me old? Yes. Get off. Now let's my start lawn. out by discussing our history here with Escape from New York. I mean, is this a film that either you guys have watched multiple times? Have you seen the sequel, Escape from LA? You know, I, I know that I I just mentioned I don't remember watching this movie start to finish. I mean, this this thing I think was 81, right? When this thing came out. So, you know, I, I wasn't born yet when this thing came out. So I did uh see bits and pieces but i i definitely saw escape from la multiple multiple times and just absolutely fell in love with the character snake plissken and and that movie and always wanted to do a deeper dive into new york um soup what about you yeah i have seen escape from new york before it's been a very very long time i was much more familiar with escape from la than i was with new york but i was glad i was glad to give that a, a solid rewatch man and it definitely uh definitely held up and, and was was totally worth the watch man so once we get into more detail, we'll break more of that shit down. But uh, yeah, man, I mean, I was uh, I was impressed a little bit with uh, with how well it held up, you know. I was as well, really. And, and to be perfectly honest, I think this film actually holds up from a visual standpoint better than Escape from L.A. But I will also admit, I am ninety five percent positive that I went and saw Escape from L.A. in the theater. And at that point, when I saw Escape from L.A., I'd never seen Escape from New York. I mean, maybe I'd seen scenes of it and not known what it was or something, but never actually watched it. Like, so it was all kind of new to me, which is why I probably have the same soft spot in my heart for Escape from L.A. that y'all do. But I, I really enjoyed this one. A lot of good aspects to it. I mean, it's obviously slightly dated, but I think especially because there's a lot of practical effects, a lot of nice model work. It's got the cool kind of 80s sound to it with the, the score and the synth theme and everything so yeah i really enjoyed it i do you know also enjoy escape from la but i think this is definitely probably a better overall film but again you know nostalgia's a motherfucker yes it is and before we dive any deeper here uh we'll go around the horn i guess we'll give you know each give just a couple of overall thoughts on the film here um did you enjoy it more or less than you remembered how'd it hold up for you and you know just your overall uh overall thoughts and feelings soup you're up first here man lead us off I was looking forward to rewatching it anyway, and I didn't. I didn't think I would be disappointed. And uh, you know, I was. I was more impressed with it than I thought I would be. You know, so uh, so that's that's definitely good. You know, I mean, I like the uh, I like the vibe that it has. You can tell. You can tell it's an '80s flick, man. But you know, it's uh, it's it's up there with like a with like a Total Recall kind of like that kind of like uh, Running Man vibe or some shit like that. You know, even even maybe a Terminator kind of vibe. You know, but uh, it's more of a sci-fi kind of thing. I guess I don't know. It's hard to say. What do you call it? Sci-fi action, 
John Carpenter himself likes. Yeah, to, action, definitely like action, but uh, it's got. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's definitely got you know some. It's got stuff to say too, a little bit. And I like that a lot of the character, or you know, several of them that were people that had collaborated with or together before, you know, with uh, with John Carpenter and whatnot. Donald Pleasance was in Halloween. The guy who co-wrote, what's his name? Nick Castle, who I think played he played the shape in Michael the original, Myers. uh yeah, in uh the original was, Halloween. Uh, he was Michael Myers in Halloween. Um, which brings me to the soundtrack. There's actually some of that score is pretty much exactly the Halloween theme with a little bit of tweak to it, man, which I noticed and and, you know, it, it's cool because it's John Carpenter or whatever. So, uh, so there, there was that, but I like the familiarity with all that, with all that as well. You know, so, um, yeah, it was good. It, overall, it was a great fucking watch, dude. I was glad. I was glad that one won. You know, so spin the wheel, dude. I'm glad that it worked out too. I mean, this was one I was really excited to check out again, just knowing the storyline and stuff like that. I thought that for the amount of limited technology that was around in 1981 when they made this. Um, and it's so funny that they're, you know, that it's takes place, I think in 88 and then they're, you know, they're in net and, you know, it's, then it's like jump to the future for 97. Right. So it's like kind of this funny thing, um, where they go way out there, but I do think that the, the technology for as limited as it was, it actually looks pretty good and somewhat realistic. There was some kind of pixelated stuff and, you know, here and there, you just kind of little bit of it was dated, but I thought it, they actually did a pretty good job on that element, which was one thing I was a little bit worried about when, when I started watching this. It's just different how they used to make movies compared to now. And I think this is a great example of it watching this. I mean, there used to be these, these kind of these, these long, you know, camera angle scenes where you're kind of like looking from a distance and just seeing somebody like kind of walk and they could spend like three minutes on just like this badass walk with the scenery right and the camera angles really far away and so it was just interesting to see some of that stuff that that you we typically don't see in like movies that are coming out now um i will say i love the concept of this i wanted to see more of the city uh the the idea that an entire city like like manhattan is completely uh, just run by criminals and is a prison and there's no security people on the inside. It's just kind of fend for yourself. It's a cool ass idea, dude. I'm not going to lie. And I would love to see more in the buildings, in the, the, you know, the different kind of like groups that have risen and in, in wars that are starting, you know, as fractions are starting to like try to threaten to become like the most powerful. I thought they did a good job with the crazies, you know, kind of uh, underneath, you know, the, the subway systems and stuff, when you kind of got a little glimpse of them, not too much. I thought that was cool. Um, you know, and then obviously they had a, a great villain here with Isaac Hayes. So good movie. I, I could have done for more of, you know, the city and more of kind of, you know, just working through all the things that they could do. And that's why I think this would make for a really great remake. Yeah, I mean, this is a really kind of ripe area for development. Like, if they made this now, like, all of a sudden you would get a a series, like a TV series that was also set, like, somewhere else in the city during the events of the movie or something like that. It would be so easy to do it. Because I think that's the most impressive part of the flick, is they do so much world building, but they do it quickly. You understand what's going on, and it doesn't slow the momentum down. That's incredibly difficult to pull off. I mean, think about how many, you know, how, how bored you get when, you you know, movies, they have to do kind of like the text intro or they have to have a, a prelude or a prologue or something like that. And try to explain it to you like this movie does such a great job of like, here's what's going on. Here's the stuff. Here's how it looks. Here's our hero. They present it very well. This movie just moves. There's always a sense of momentum to it. Again, point out the score. All the acting is great. As Jamie G said, shout out Isaac Hayes as the Duke, a number one. Also appreciate uh, Ernest Borgnine as Cabby. Thought he was just perfect in that role. But let's be honest here, man. Kurt Russell is a legitimate movie star. This was kind of his coming out party. He'd been in a lot of like Disney type flicks or whatever. So this was kind of his first shebang as a, you know, a leading man in an action flick or something like that. And he carries a movie. He does it effortlessly and same thing. He doesn't escape from LA. He definitely uh, just, you know, he's a fucking movie star, man. Dude. And how cool is he? I mean, how cool is Snake Plissken, dude? Like, down to his outfit, to the way he walks, like his whole thing, dude. You're not Snake Plissken cool, dude, even with the eye patch. None of us are. I mean, shit. 
Yeah, man. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to argue that, man. He's a cool motherfucker, man. What do you guys think about the world building? Here's what Wikipedia has as far as the setup here. In a dystopian 1988, amidst total war against an alliance of China and the Soviet Union, the United States government has turned Manhattan into a giant maximum security prison to deal with a 400, 400% increase in crime. A 50-foot wall surrounds the island. Bridges have been mined. Rivers are patrolled by helicopters. And all prisoners are sentenced to life terms. They're placed in Manhattan. There are no guards in the prison. And there's only one rule. When you go in, you never come back out. What do you guys think about the setup and the concept of a prison city and an island with no guards? I mean, it's, it's kind of cool, right? I think it's very cool, man. Could you see this happening like real world, though? Like it would be, you know, I, I mean, it'd be far fetched, um, but, yeah, but it would be bit, funny. Like, I mean, at some point, dude, like, I mean, that might be it's not a bad idea. I mean, as far as like imprisoning the people, you know, I mean, they've done the things with, well, no, I don't want to get too far ahead here, but I think in, in LA, it was what the, the earthquake happened and now LA is an island and they put, they put everybody over there. Is that how that went down? I mean, parts of Florida could flood or something like you could yeah, definitely, they, so could my guess either. is if they did this now, it would probably be Florida or California where they would go with for it and like call make climate change the reason. So like part of Florida is an island now or something like that. Like, yeah, I don't know if they haven't really discussed why they decided to, to take Beams Manhattan, you know? Well, just because it's an island, like, you, you need bridges to access it, so it would be easy to cut off. And I mean, but actually building That's a wall around the island would be, uh, too, you know? Like, the, the wall sounds a lot more impressive when they talk about it than when you actually see it, but, you know, it's, it's hard to build a wall. And again, the world building here is just fantastic. Like, how fast they, they break this all down. Uh, you know, there's a, a little bit that's lost in the, the context, I think, that the whole point like world war three happened and that's where snakes served in like china and the soviet union teamed up against the united states and the president is going to the peace summit to meet with them like that gets a little hashed over and maybe just in the uh, like the text intro or whatever so but i mean you that's how good the flick is though you don't really even need to know the exact specifics for it to work well that brings up another cool point dude is that the actual original opening sequence was like 10 minutes long and it, and it showed uh it showed his uh the snakes uh, robbery or whatever right robbery him getting busted and shit leading into him being dropped off on the island which is where we see it opening but yeah uh to avoid like confusion or for whatever other reasons man they decided to just ditch that whole thing and just start right then but yeah a 10 minute intro for anything is kind of a long one but it might have been cool and you could do a bomb style yeah. like a cold open basically like i think that's how you'd have to do it with a big action scene it's just a matter of like it has to it's got to work then it's got to be a big bond type action scene so and i don't think they had the budget for it on this one well the plot starts here in 1997 air force one is attacked the president ejects into a skate pod and he's captured uh he's captured by men who work for the duke the most powerful crime boss in new york he's a number one romero the duke's number two tells police that the president will be killed if there are any future rescue attempts. He shows them the president's severed finger and gives them 20 seconds to leave, which they do. What do you guys think about the setup here? I mean, do, do they manage to kind of introduce things clearly and get you excited for the rest of the film? You kind of get a little sneak peek of, you know, kind of the, the criminals running, you know, the island here and, and what it looks like kind of beyond the wall. I want to know how, how, how the Duke and them and his crew knew that this was happening to be able to capture the president that quickly again i think that's actually something that was explained in like the novelization or something like the organization that takes the plane is affiliated with him cards on the table i think it's almost the, the similar way to the way it happens in escape from la but they just actually show it in escape from la okay yeah, yeah. like uh cuervo jones or whatever like like telechatting i guess like or video chatting with the president's daughter or i don't i forget exactly what it was but it was, it's it was something like early that. video re virtual reality shit going on back then man so, yeah well and it was it was cool to kind of see what they thought in 1981 what future technology might look like that that was kind of interesting to me like you know because you're really guessing you know and and I mean that was forty years ago, right? But but like I like I like the movies that are like it's about the future, except that's like you know twenty years in the past now, <laughs> like or something like that. You know those things. It's it's definitely cool. 
Yeah, I remember celebrating like Back to the Future 2 day. Like it was the day when Marty McFly like went forward to the future in like because it was like 2015 or whatever, I think. Yeah. I, I remember like, oh well, I guess uh, the DeLorean hasn't shown up yet, but they do a, a good job with that here again. I think great job of setting up the stakes. They keep the flick going, the momentum's great. My main complaint is probably the Bull Romero. Like they just went with kind of like crazy. I think he I think they're you know that uh the Duke would have a better number two, I feel. He's all right, but he doesn't seem very like intimidating or whatever. Like now it, it was weird. It in like again, super 80s with the hair. It was almost I don't know if he was going for like a like a Bowie labyrinth thing or what, but it kind of kind of gave me those vibes a little bit. Hey, we keep saying 80s, but a decent portion that was probably just filmed in like 1980. So like this set the tone for the 80s, kind of like we say 80s, yeah. but this was a part of like establishing what the 80s looked like. I feel I don't want to sell it short. This was very early 80s. Like this wasn't copying the 80s. This was creating the 80s. Right, right. This was closer to 70s than it, than it was kind of the 80s. So. Right, yeah. It feels like that 78, like late 70s aesthetic. Like again, the Halloween, like, you know, that's what John Carpenter. Right. And and speaking of which, you know, any thoughts on the music here? I mean, I thought the opening theme was was pretty cool, kind of synthesized riff a little bit. I mean, the, the, kind of like you mentioned with the John Carpenter's Halloween theme. Also, as Soup mentioned, it kind of reminded a little bit of, of the Terminator theme, kind of. I mean, any thoughts on on the music or the, or the score here from Escape from New York? It's perfect for what the flick is, for the look of the flick or whatever. Like, it, it's designed to feel like of a certain time. Like, a, a big, like, John Williams score or something like that wouldn't have worked here. Like, I really enjoy that. You know, it makes it feel, again, of that or that 80s yeah. period. And kind of set the tone, again, for the, the same thing that we hear in Terminator and that kind of thing. Right. As much as I love Danny Elfman, I don't think his work would Right. Have yeah, Michael Giacchino, knock yourself out. But, yeah, <laughs> this really wouldn't have been a good spot for that, probably. Yeah, so, I mean, just perfect, really. Shout out John Carpenter. Even if he did, you know, whatever, take the Halloween joint and bump it a couple keys or something, it still worked. Well, they uh, they ended up using one of the first drum machines ever made to kind of give it that that all that synth synthesized fucking whatnot. So I believe um, it. Yeah, that's cool. If you listen for, you know, that's awesome. Well, since an obvious rescue attempt is out, another plan is formulated. Criminal and former special forces soldier snake pliskin is about to be sent to manhattan so police commissioner bob hawk offers him a deal if snake can rescue the president in time for the upcoming peace summit snake will receive a full presidential pardon call him snake dude call him snake how cool is he dude like he's just so like i mean the introduction is great right they bring him in and like the whole top half's in shadow so you just see kind of like the camel pants and they're like he's dangerous sir which is the way he's sitting there and like lights a cigarette with his hands and chains and everything. I just, I just a great establishment of the character, right? Like, damn, this is this is Snake, man. I mean, the guy's name is Snake Plisky, man. And just the way he says, "Call me Snake." <laughs> One thing I will say that was kind of funny is when they're bringing him up, you see this huge bus. But he's like literally the only one on the bus. <laughs> so it's like it looked like it was gonna be like a whole bus full of like criminals. It was just him. So it's kind of like, all right, Snake gets its gets his own bus. No, and there's a lot of great small touches like that in the flick. Like when you're in the hallways there, you hear like an announcement over the PA, and it basically says that prisoners are given the option of basically committing suicide and then being cremated instead of going to New York. Like I think it just adds a level of like this is supposed to be like worse than death, kind of. Like, you're going to go there to the island and, like, you know, the gangs or whatever, like, they're going to, it's like prison, but with no guards, right? Like, all the, yeah, you you know, you're you're probably in trouble if you don't, you know, you can't pledge one of the gangs. What are you going to do? And, you know, also, uh, shout out when they're talking about what to do about the, the president and, and Hawks, like, uh, by the time they figure out what they want, it'll be too late. I've been in that relationship before. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> no, and uh, shout out Bob Hawk's bracelet. Did you see he had like a punk rock, like one of them spike bracelets on? Just again, probably a John Carpenter thing, but just a cool kind of touch that like he's a police commissioner, like overseeing this island prison, and he's like got like some punk rock shit going on. He's rocking the one earring, too. Yeah, he had the earring, too. The Hawk, dude. Commissioner Hawk. That's a cool name, Commissioner Hawk. Definitely a cool name. And we see Snake here is given weapons, a radio, and a tracker that will help him find the president. Hawk tells Snake that the president has a briefcase with him, and inside that briefcase is a cassette tape that he must, and I mean must, recover. The future of humanity depends on it. 
to keep Snake in line. Hawk double crosses here and injects him with micro explosive, which will kill Snake in 22 hours unless Hawk disarms him. Snake uses a stealth glider to land atop the World Trade Center. Yes, the actual World Trade Center building. Uh, shout out to that. That used to be there. That was pretty cool. He finds the wreckage of Air Force One, but unfortunately, no Presidente. He then follows to the follows the tracker to a theater, but finds it attached to a vagrant. Snake figures that the president is dead, but he won't be allowed to leave New York without, without him. He then gets ambushed by some crazies and his radio is destroyed. Luckily, he's rescued by a cabbie, a seemingly nice older man who drives an armored taxi and has an outstanding taste in music. Any thoughts on Snake's weapons or uh, the, the the use of the explosives to keep him in line? I, I'm not going to lie. I love that little double cross, dude, with just a quick, and it's like, and the, and the whole concept of like, tiny little bombs in your arteries that'll just make you bleed out like kind of a funny some inner space shit right it was like some inner space shit a little bit a little bit not with the shrinking but like it's like a little like i mean think of, i mean that's scary like bleeding into like that's like a like an aneurysm so like it's definitely yeah, scary. very scary and I, I, shout out to snake too like all this goes on and gets like the watch and it's like the first it's like the first i watch right and he's like you know the apple watch and like uh and he's like he sees and then he clicks the time he's like you talked about 24 hours, <laughs> you know, and it's like 22. And it's like, yeah, he's just so cool, dude. Um, but the, you know, the, the, the technology was pretty cool, dude. Like they, for 1981, they really nailed it to a, to a large degree kind of. And, and they kind of give his whole arsenal here and there's a lot of it, but I think you actually see snake use it all. Like all the, the revolver, the belt, the sight, the throw, he's got throwing stars He's got night vision goggles, a radio, some kind of like a, they were drugs or whatever. And then the tracking bracelet, they do show it's got like the little catch or whatever. And that's explained later to, you know, they do a good job that with the plot holes here. Like, yeah, if you think about a little bit, like, how is there clean water on, you know, the island of Manhattan still? That might fall apart. But as far as the, the smaller stuff, it's actually really well written to, you know, kind of make you buy the logic of the movie, if nothing else. Well, well, yeah, and, and I love the fact that it's like, hey, they're using, they're using, you know, solar, or they're using this, or they're, you know, right. Using... There might be a refinery. They set that up, like they right. tease it, like it's they, you know, again, just a, a well-written script. I feel like they figure out how they're getting electricity, et cetera, et cetera. And I love it, dude, because the, the truth is, you put people in a situation like that, and before long, they're gonna find the resources and figure out ways to kind of make things happen. So I, I, I didn't think it was that beyond far-fetched and again i just thought the technology that they had in 1981 well this will blow your mind a little bit when he the glider into new york that wireframe model that's not a computer like they actually built a model in black and then put paint on it because that was cheaper than doing it with the actual technology wow so all that like that looks like you know like the you know the black and green like the old school computer screen that's all model work i mean they you know that's the technology of the day yeah. Also, the one the one scene that the I think the only scene that was really shot in the daytime was when they uh, went there was uh, out in the field or whatever, and they were all trying to get the the choppers to come down or whatever mm -hmm. prisoners and whatnot. And uh, that that uh, area behind it that's supposed to be uh, you know the some of the skyline in New York that was just a backdrop. And James Cameron is the one that uh, was the artist behind that and drew that shit. Yeah, he had, I forgot. Yeah, he had a little early association with this book. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anything else here? Like, you know, we got to meet Cabby. I thought Cabby was really cool. And the crazies kind of all, you know, we're, we're not going scene by scene or whatever. But again, I love Cabby. Definitely great taste in music. You get the long shot of the cassette deck, setting that up for later. Again, good writing, just good script. Well done here. And the crazies, I, I think we're cool. Like, I wish there was really no motivation for why they were like living in the sewer and, you know, or whatever. But yeah, I guess yeah, that's the whole idea, right? It's like you don't need to know why Michael Myers is. You just want him to like be an unstoppable force. Here you need like an, an army of crazy people. So here they are. Here's the crazies that live in the sewer. Yeah, again, you know, this could be this could they be look pretty good for sewer people. I will say that. They did not look that bad for sewer people. But could you not like think of that? Like you, you basically like you get two classes here, right? And and one class kind of is the gang that kind of runs above ground and then you get another class that's been kind of pushed into the underground. And, you know, it's, it, it almost reminded me a little bit of like, uh, you know, like, like demolition man, right. With the people living under the, you know, uh, in the sewers and stuff. So it was, it was kind of cool. 
Yeah, eating rat burgers and shit. Eating rat burgers. Like one cool thing here, it's a runner throughout the flick. Like uh, Cabby meets Nate and he recognizes him. He's like, oh, I heard you were dead. That happens multiple times in the flick. Everybody who looks at Snake and says that, they all die by the end, except Snake. So just a cool little runner there. And uh, I mean, pretty much just Cabby, dude. I mean, just so great. Like he's got a Molotov cocktail, like ready to go. Like just like sitting like that's not very safe inside your armored joint to have the, uh, you know, the, the gasoline and the glass bottle ready to go. But he had it ready to go. And he's a good guys. Any thoughts on the fight against some of the crazies or, or our man Cabby? I mean, if they remade this now, would Snake made a dude? Would Snake meet a dude named Uber or Lyft? I mean, I, how funny would that be? Lyft would probably be funnier, but it it would have to be more like the name. Like maybe he would be Car or Driver or something. Yeah, you're in a Johnny Cab. <laughs> or maybe, yeah, maybe it's just back to Cabby. I mean, I don't know, man. You have to wonder at a certain point will people remember what cabs are. Like they'll just think it's all Ubers and whatnot. Yeah, still, still plenty of cabs out there for now, but, but, but I still think that that would be a cool concept. And dude, I, I'm like really banging the table for for a remake on this one. I think they could, they this could be such a great remake. Like usually, I'm not a fan because I'm like come up with a new idea, um, and it strikes me as lazy a lot of times with these ridiculous reboots. But I would like this one, man. I think they could make it bigger and better. I think it's totally, I think it's totally doable to do another one of these, man. You know, they already kind of did it once with, with Escape from L.A., and I think an Escape from, a, like, wherever the fuck with the same kind of concept. I think it'd be great, man, you know, throw a couple differences in there, but still stay true to the uh, original, you know, movie. Yeah, and, uh, I think you just probably have to do it as a B-movie and accept it. Like, that's a thing. You're not going to have John Carpenter and Kurt Russell. Like, You're that's not going to have Kurt Russell, probably, dude. So you got to find the next Kurt Russell, like some younger, no cheaper dude with Russell good charisma dude. like that. Yeah. Who do you think could pull it off? Any ideas? It's got to be someone we don't really know. That's the whole point. Because you yeah, got to get him cheap. It can't be guy. really someone we know. Like, it's got to be somebody new, like, new hungry, like, you know, someone like that. So probably, like, somebody who's, like, on the Disney Channel right now or something. I don't know. You know what I would also like to see, though, man, is a, uh, is like a snake prequel. Like, why is he so well-known? You know, everybody, everybody, people just, like, randomly have heard of him and shit. I'd like to see his stories, you know, whether his war shit and his criminal shit, you know, because apparently he's got some hell of a fucking background. Oh, 100%. Like, that's so interesting. The idea, There's is so it just the eye patches? It's just the, it. I mean, well, we yeah, see him in Escape from has... L.A. Dude does not change his look. Like, he has one look and right. he rocks it. So that helps. Like, maybe Snake invented branding. I don't know, but... uh it does really seem like everybody knows him, right? Like, yeah. I, I guess it has to be the eye patch. I don't know. Yeah, he, he well, he, dude, he's got a he's got a badass look too. He's just Not he hasn't cared about him. I will say, I did think his tattoo was the one thing where I was like, oh, that's that's terrible. It does not look real Jeez, at all. But, uh, yeah, but, it, but it was kind of cool. It's a cool what, tattoo. The snake tattoo. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's like a. I mean, it's so weird. It's like really you want to like. It's like it looks like a question mark that basically ends with his balls. Yeah. <laughs> like just the shape of it. Like you could have definitely been cooler. Just be wrapped around his arm or something, right? So you see the head coming out of like the like a sleeve or something, or up his neck. Like see his neck. Yeah. Yeah. Positioning might have been a might. Yeah. Or been ultimate been balls. Been. Ultimate balls is the, the end of the snake is like the dick tattoo. Brought it back for you, dude. Brought it back. I did, I did like kind of the introduction um, into the Duke where, you know, Snakes just like wants to go right to the top and, and meet him. And Cabby's like, you only meet him once and then you're dead. And I thought that was kind of kind of a good setup here for like, who is like this, this like, you know, mythical, like the Duke, like he's got to be super badass, right? If he's like running everything, like. Why you cast Isaac Hayes, son? And uh, also his character, I mean, which props to Isaac Hayes for doing this, man. He had that little twitch, but he only had that twitch when he was dealing with Snake. When he was dealing with those other people, he didn't have the twitch, man. When Snake was around, he had the fucking twitch. That snake itch, dude. It's a snake itch. The snake itch, dude. dude. It's like a snake shedding his skin. Speaking of Snake, we see Cabby take Snake to meet Brain, who, you guessed it, is pretty smart dude. Brain built the refinery, which is how they have fresh gasoline in New York. But it also turns out that Brain is really Harold Hellman. He and Snake know each other. And he screwed Snake over and Fresno Bob on a job in Oklahoma City four years ago. 
Brain tells Snake about the Duke's plan, and the Duke is going to lead a mass escape from New York over the 69th Street Bridge, using the president as a human shield. There are landmines on the bridge, but Brain was able to map them. They go outside and they are forced to hide from the Duke's motorcade when he shows up to get the map. Snake steals one of the cars and forces Brain and his girlfriend Maggie to lead him to the Duke's hideout. Snake finds the president there and they try to escape. They don't get very far before Snake gets shot in the leg with a crossbow and the Duke's men capture them. Brain tells the Duke that Snake forced them to bring him here at gunpoint. What do you guys think about the introduction of uh, the character Brain and Maggie and, of course, the infamous Duke? Any thoughts on the Duke's grand plan here? Uh, I thought the intros were great. I thought it was, uh, I, I liked the holdout on on bringing some of these characters in, especially, you know, the Dukes he's talked about and you don't really see him until, you know, a good portion into the movie, man. And that that's kind of cool. I like that. And then it was, you know, they're all pretty impactful characters, you know. So, yeah, well played. Well, dude, I want to know more about Fresno Bob. Like anybody who Snake's willing to do a job with has got to be pretty awesome, right? So Fresno Bob must have been a pretty badass dude. Yeah, the amount, the amount of spinoffs that could happen out of this movie are pretty phenomenal. So, Yeah, I mean, you, got, you know, the brain or Harold or whatever, shout out, he's got like the uh, the Fred from Scooby-Doo joint with the neckerchief. Like that is a hard look to pull off. I think brain does it pretty good. You know, I, I really don't know if I buy the uh, like the landmine map thing. Like that's kind of like a thing they hang the movie on. Like, what this dude do? Fucking email it back when he got to the end of the bridge. Like, how did this map get back? And how possibly accurate can it be? You know, whatever. I mean, that's one of the few plot points I think they couldn't get around. But uh, I, I loved how all the like the uh, the Duke's motorcade and everything, the car with the chandeliers, like that. That little bit Mad Max, right? That kind of late seventies uh, influence right there. So. I, I really just enjoyed that. And honestly, the whole, you know, this whole part of it kind of felt like a cross between Mad Max and The Running Man, which is right up my alley. Absolutely. Yeah, the chandeliers were awesome. That that was a really cool thing. I guess the one thing, does it bother y'all that everybody, like Snake had a previous relationship with Harold? Is that just how it works? Like a, kind of like a Star Wars thing? Or does it kind of make the world feel a little small that like it seems like Snake knows everybody? small world man or it's just coincidence dude you know yeah, they run in the, the just the same circles i guess well i think for me it just was a way to reinforce how kind of incredible snake is right like like they didn't take the time to go through his backstory they decided to show it with a just how naturally cool he is but b the fact that he knows all these people he's connected everyone respects him everyone thinks that he was dead everyone knows him most of them fear him right like that they did that through just his his ability to be so interconnected with all these people so i think it just kind of adds to that holy shit i just figured out that they still like when they made roadhouse they just dalton is snake plissken without an eye patch holy shit i just figured that out dude shout out roadhouse yeah roadhouse dude so the Duke forces Snake to fight Slag in a fight to the death. While the fight is happening, Brain and Maggie manage to kill Romero and escape with the president. Snake manages to kill Slag and he finds Brain, Maggie, and the president at the World Trade Center trying to use his glider to escape. It's pretty funny because earlier in the movie, he said that the uh, that takeoff would be hard because he <laughs> when he landed the glider, it's like, almost on the edge of the building. So uh, falling off the, the roof there. So that was kind of a, a nice little, uh, nice little callback. The glider gets dropped from the roof, um, as I mentioned, and then they go back down to the street level. They link up with Cabby, who offers to take them across the bridge. We learn that Cabby cut a deal with Romero for the contents of the briefcase uh, for, the, for the president. And it contains a cassette tape with information about nuclear fusion. This was supposed to be an offering for the peace summit. The president wants his tape back, but Snake keeps it for himself. A lot going on here, guys. Any thoughts, especially about, you know, Snake's uh, fight against Slag? Slag was pretty impressive, man. Big dude with, like, the crazy muscle. He reminded me like a Punch-Out character, right? Like, I feel like there was a character in, like, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out who looked like that or something. Like, crazy intimidating and the bats with nails and everything. Like, real, like, uh, primal and shit, right? Yeah, it was scary. I mean, it was like, how's like he going to get Trash can shields. One? I mean, like, I mean, like that kind of low budget shit that I think works here. 
It could seem cheesy in some aspects or too B-movie, but for some reason it seems about right because it's an abandoned island, right? You got to work with what you got. Yeah, they're not going to be able to have the, you know, cutting edge, you know, weaponry. They got to make up some homemade shit, but it was scary, dude. He came out and it was like, whoa, and just the sheer power. And I thought Kurt Russell did a great job here acting with the leg. I mean, this is where he really has to uh, get his, get his, uh, his limp going. Right. And, and he's being just straight up out muscled by sheer force, but, you know, finds a way here, man. It was cool, very cool fight scene. I like the scene too, where you got, you know, almost similar to like the Roman Coliseum. You got all these people kind of like piled up and, and way up top looking down on the fight. It, it, it was, it was pretty sweet. Yeah. It kind of has that Thunderdome vibe. Yeah. Snake, snake, snake. Did snake. have a Thunderdome vibe. And then again, they do an escape from LA with the basketball scene, which I'd argue is almost as impressive considering he's not really fighting anybody here. I mean, you know, you know, it's Snake. He is going to win, but I thought they did a good job of giving him like a realistic opponent. And I like kind of, uh, you know, cutting it with uh, a brain and Maggie freeing the president and, and all that. And again, good plot. Like they make it understand like Romero traded cabbie for the cassette tape. So it's not as huge of a surprise. Uh, when you get it like they're in the cab and i mean dude snake before all that remember when they caught him yeah shot in the leg with a crossbow like he just walks it off like i feel like he does that escape from la too like nobody just walks off a leg injury like snake plissken yo he just just walks it off dude he'll be all right don't even worry about it no doubt i mean that's that's hard that's hard to and, do and shout out maggie a great shot like kills everybody like first try like princess leah but b like she should put on some more clothes just because they're really distracting. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, they 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 went they went they bounce, with a certain they bounce thing here. They they they're jingling, yeah. baby. To paraphrase Ella Cool J, they went for they went for a similar thing. Um, I I don't know. It was a little weird to see the president. I can't remember our last bald president. Um, so it was weird. Gerald it was Ford. It was Ford bald. <sighs> might have been Ford. He might be the only bald president, honestly. Um, we got you know, I'd like to see him bring back like the like the George Washington fucking but the the, the, wig, the, the fucking powder wigs the powder wigs we'll bring the powder wigs back bring it back I thought the uh, I thought the wig was an interesting choice yeah they but... had the, the president in the in the wig like when yeah. Romero like what was Romero really doing with the president we'll probably be here for a lot but he was what was he doing with him in that wig like just saying. It was a strange, uh, a strange scene for sure, and you know we see the Duke pursue pursuing them in his Cadillac here, and setting off mines just as he goes. And the taxi hits a mine, and unfortunately, our guy Cabby is killed. Huge bummer there. Probably my biggest regret of this movie. Uh, Snake and the others continue on foot as brain triggers another mine. This leads Maggie to basically in a weird way. Like I didn't see this coming. She just like randomly decides to sacrifice herself here uh in an effort to slow down the duke so shout out maggie taking one for the team they reach the wall at the end of the bridge and snake gets the president over it the duke open fires and uh kills some of the guards but snake makes it over the wall just in the nick of time the duke is then killed by the president and a doctor disarms the micro explosive in, inside of snake with mere seconds to spare man oh man this is probably the big action kind of set piece of the flick here. What are your guys' thoughts on it? I, I I will say I was somewhat, you know, not disappointed, but I laughed a little bit at just how quickly they could just like disarm it. Just like, it was like one. Well, they quick, said it was x-rays seconds. too. And it was x-rays, like a really specific. So they did kind of set that up and, you know, we're spoiling it. So I like the idea that, that's kind of the one twist and actually it was uh what john carpenter was thinking about using in this flick is what they do in escape from la when they give snake like the blue toxin virus or whatever and it turns out it was just like the flu or something it wasn't a real thing like originally here it was going to be fake like then they just like fucked with them they never actually put anything in but that you know they elected to go play it this way and then they saved that and actually used it in escape from la but nowadays you know if they were going to say remake this we've talked about it there would be a huge fight at the end between Snake and the Duke, right? Like here, it's like they they grapple a little bit or whatever, but it's not really a big fight scene. Not at all. It's it's basically kind of you know uh, a little bit of here and there, and he just kind perfunctory. of perfunctory. The word in my notes was perfunctory. The word, yeah, yeah, a big fight where where Duke 
I think where Duke is killed by it'd be like at least a three to four minute like scene now. Like it would be a big deal. It takes days to shoot. The one who kills him. I'd rather Snake kill him than the president. I get the I get why they did. I like because remember when Duke was shooting at the the president though when he was like you know uh, locked up or whatever with the briefcase and they really should have had a better briefcase like one shot that shit opened up. It's funny that they never even bothered to like take it off him. Like just they randomly shot it, but you know it was kind of cool, right? Because they tortured the president, so. That was kind of like raw when he kills the Duke. Like that's him. Like, you know, really kind of. I, I like that choice actually. Yeah, maybe yeah. I would like like the Duke to have one over on Snake, and he's going to kill Snake, and then the president takes him out. Maybe that right. would have been a little bit more dramatic or something like that. Again, nitpicking here. I still enjoy it, but you know, and even like I said, even the choice that the president does it. Good shot. The president's a decent shot too. He, he is. He's fired. He's fired before. And you know, speaking of the president, we see the president preparing to give a televised speech to other world leaders at the summit, and he offers Snake whatever he wants. Snake wants to know what he thought about all the people who died to save him. The president gives a half-ass answer that makes it clear that he doesn't give a single solitary shit about those people. Snake goes to leave, and he's offered a job by Hawk, but he declines. He declines. The president goes to play the cassette tape during his speech, but instead of nuclear fusion information, he's treated to bandstand boogie, baby. As the movie ends, Snake walks away as he destroys the real cassette tape. Ah, guys, how do we like the ending here of Escape from New York? Was it as epic for you as it was for me? Because I absolutely loved it. I mean, does Snake just invent, like, the pwn? Like, he just owned the president, right? Like, that's a... You know, good swaps gig, and they run basically the same gag at the end of Escape from L.A., but it, it's interesting because you feel like Snake gave him the chance, right? If he would have just been grateful instead of giving me the chance to save the world or whatever, maybe Snake gives him the real tape, right? But because he's just such a dick, he doesn't. Like, I like that they gave Snake the choice, kind of. And, like, the president kind of, like, reaps what he sows. Yeah. Yep, good call, man. Anything else? No one, like, uh, didn't, anything else on the ending at all? I mean, just, just, we've said it all, but it's a theme and you just can't stress enough just how absolutely cool Snake Plissken is. Like he could have had anything from the, from the president, not, nothing. Just wanted to ask a question to prove what a piece of shit the president is. And, you know, and then he just walks off smoking his smoke, just cool as shit, dude. You know, like he's just. I and I've actually seen people in my youth, like destroy a cassette tape when they were mad. Like, Snake just does it the cool way. Like, people are just so trying cool, to, like, crack dude. it and break it. Snake just, like, rips it out. Because he knows all you got to do is rip the tape. Like, the, the you know, the, the case doesn't matter. You just got to get the tape. Uh, so, let's be honest here, man. We all, like, we like to escape from New York, right? Like, we would call it sponge-worthy if we were Lane Bennis, or maybe more appropriately here, it's snake-worthy, I, I, right? I'm, 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 I'm right, it's right? snake-worthy, dude. I'm down. It's snake worthy, dude. So I think we need to be a little bit more specific and just kind of try to rank the flick on a scale of zero to 100 snakes. Uh, Jamie G, how many snakes are you giving Escape from New York? Zero to 100, zero is the worst, 100 is the best. How many snakes, man? Man. Look, dude, I thought it was really good and especially for what it is and and how they did it in, in 1981. I mean, come on, I'm giving this thing 88 snakes, baby. The old 88 special. Did you fucking steal my note? Like, uh, yeah, my, I had, I had 88 snakes. It's not a perfect flick. I still enjoy it. Plus 88 snakes just sounds cool. Literally verbatim from my notes. Soup. You got two 88 snakes on the board. Get some snakes to escape from New York. You know what? Fuck it. It's crazy 88s up in this bitch, dude. We, I'm giving it 88 snakes too, man. All right. Welcome to the episode title, 88 snakes. We're trying to get to a movie. You better get going. You don't want to miss one second of that movie. Is it that good? <laughs> it's the best goddamn movie I've ever seen in my life. Oh. Dude hangs dumb. I told you! I told you! I don't miss that! Well, let's finish up by deciding what we're going to watch for our next episodes where, you know, we're regular dudes watching stuff, man. We're all going to give a quick elevator pitch and then vote on the winner. You cannot vote for yourself. If there's a tie, we spin the mighty wheel of justice. 
I'm up first here, followed by Soup and then Magnum Mills. Guys, I won last week, and I got to be honest with you, I think I'm even bringing something hotter to the table than Escape from New York. Okay, so hear me out on this. I am pitching Arcane Episode 1. Okay, I am a huge Arcane fan. I'm not a big anime guy. I don't even know much about the the uh, uh, the the League of Legends, but I'm asking you to watch this one singular episode. There's a new season coming out this year. It took like five or six years for them to make uh, season one, and it took a bunch of years for them to make season two. It ends on a huge cliffhanger. We're just waiting for it, but we're talking about episode one. If this thing doesn't get you hooked, I don't know what will. I mean, this it's based on the League of Legends, but it has such a compelling story that brings you through all the emotions, man. Action, funny, you're scared. All of them come out, dude. You, you, you want to cry at times. It's such a good show. And episode one gets you hooked. You find yourself in this world attaching to these characters. The incredible, and I mean incredible, eye-catching uh, illustrative style. There's a, uh, a Paris-based animation studio, um, Fortiche, I believe, that did this. It looks so incredible, dude. It's the coolest anime that, that I've seen. Um, love Arcane. Definitely worth it. It's got everything you want in it. it. It's a quick watch, too. It's not even like it's a crazy thing. Let's watch this one and tell me you didn't enjoy it. I'll, I'll bet you a beer that you do. Soup? My, shit, my bad. Um, yeah, dude. Well, I'm going to hold you to that on that uh, about that beer, man. But uh, I got a pitch this week, man, and I'm taking it back to 2000 with... I'm going to pitch a movie, and I think it's personally i think it's one of the coolest movies ever made to this day and got a fucking great cast and you know what no more no more beating around the bush what the fuck ever i'm pitching fucking snatch dude snatch the guy Ritchie film i think it'll be really fun for us to talk about man it's got a lot of different angles there really well put together man a lot of really awesome memorable characters really good fucking dialogue it's uh all around just a very very cool fucking movie so, and if we haven't seen it in a while, be a good one to fucking revisit. That that brings it to me. Uh, those are both very good, and I want to give honorable mention here. So, was having fun with the uh, the Kurt Russell here. Was trying to land on one, and I I tried to to get myself into pitching Captain Ron. I couldn't quite get there. While it's a fun movie, I don't know if there's a ton to discuss other than like it's you know it's a funny flick or whatever. I had to dig down a little bit deeper and we like to, you know, have a little connection. At least I do. Maybe we don't go Kirk Russell. Maybe we go with something a little bit different. And uh, what is it? I can't, uh, I can't remember. It was a battle, battle guess, uh, beetle, a uh, battle, beetle juice. Uh, maybe a little beetle juice because apparently, uh, you know, we did Yellow Jackets. Christina Ricci starred as Wednesday in the Adams Family. Netflix made a, a Wednesday series starring Jenna Ortega, who is now circling starring in Beetlejuice 2, which could very well be happening. So how about we go back, watch the original Beetlejuice, Tim Burton flick, very good time, great cast, just a ton of fun, a lot of stuff to talk about. I remember even watching the cartoon when I was a kid. So, uh, yeah, I am pitching the uh, the the. The, the battle guys. Wow. All right, Mills, let's recap our options here and remind us what order we are voting in. Easy peasy. Jamie G pitched the first episode of Arcane, the anime animated series. Soup Deucer pitched Snatch the Guy Richie Cult Crime Classic. And I pitched Beetlejuice by Tim Burton, which is a hell of a good time. And what we do is we vote in the reverse of the order in which we nominated. Can't vote for your own dude, so I vote first, then the soup, then Jamie G. And Jamie G, I thought your pitch was good. Arcane is on my watch list, but I, I'd still I would love to discuss Snatch. So uh, I want to talk about Snatch. <laughs> soup, you're up next. I'm kind of with you on this, dude. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, Beetlejuice because uh, although I'm not against watching some anime kind of shit, I will. I'm not really too familiar with it, but now I'm interested. Doesn't matter. I don't have to give excuses. Beetlejuice and Beetlejuice. It'd be a fun rewatch. I'm going and I love Tim Burton. You know that, man. So go in there. All, all I'm saying is I pitched something that neither of you guys have watched before, 
and yeah. you're both well, it'll make you feel better if I will I'll say I'll probably watch it anyways because I am probably trying to catch that second season so I will watch it and then maybe we can talk about it and fill our eye holes with it appreciate that I just you know I just I just had no, to I've heard good like, things it's been on the list dude a lot of shit out there dude it's hard to there's only a certain amount of room in those eye holes um, that's what this is for. Um, so that leads me to this. So I have no chance of winning. So now it's just there will be no tie, dude. You're, you're declaring a winner. If we're watching whatever you want to watch out of our two. Choices. Yeah, of those two. Yeah, that. Yeah, it's all up to you, man. Dude, her life is in your hands, dude. Yeah, he wanted me to repeat that. Her life is in your hands. Um, you know what, man? Um, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go Beatles used to, man. You know why? Because I'm trying to see the Broadway play uh this this spring i'm heading up to new york i want to see beetlejuice and uh i plan to uh to check it out and uh while i'm in town so you know what let's let's go ahead and watch it dude i'm, I'm gonna do beetlejuice here i appreciate that i just rewatched it recently and that's another one that holds up pretty well again with the practical effects and everything like that that soundtrack's a lot of fun the performances are really fun it, it, you could argue it's peak alec baldwin even but Love it, dude. I just uh, someone's got to get the flannel shirt, like dress up like uh, like Alec Baldwin there with the, the flannel and the red shirt underneath or what have you. That would be super great. Oh man, thank you guys for checking out Regular Dudes Watch Stuff. Where Regular Dudes Watch Stuff, we really appreciate you checking us out. Please remember, like, subscribe, do it, do it now. If you got a movie or a show that you'd like us to talk about, let us know. Hit us up on the social meds, drop it in the comments of this YouTube video or podcast, wherever you're checking us out. Mills, please remind these peeps where they can find us because we got a lot of shit out there and there's a lot of stuff in there you know there are a lot of trees in the forest again just search for you know regular dudes watch stuff wherever you get your podcast we're on social media at dudes watch stuff again you can search youtube for regular dudes watch stuff or just go to joeblowfootballshow.com either way we'll see you when you get there uh, thank you very much for checking us out really appreciate it hope you enjoyed it we enjoyed talking to you. We enjoyed watching Escape from New York. And we're going to enjoy some Beetle Guys. Battle Guys. Whatever. We are Regular Dudes Watch Stuff. We'll be back next week where we talk about Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. And I myself am strange and unusual. I got a sandworm, man. <laughs> oh.